We're back and let's get right to it. Trade deadline Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right, Matt Breen? I think it's Tuesday. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't really matter, I guess. What matters is it is 5:33 p.m. in the Eastern Seaboard, and there are no more trades allowed in the Major League Baseball, at least for players uh, who do not have to clear waivers. The Phillies. Uh, there was a lot of smoke out there about them, but but in the end, um, one move. I mean, I mean, two really. Uh, now that we hear Matt Klintek explain them, are are pretty inconsequential moves, very complimentary moves. Wilson Ramos acquired from the Washington National, or uh, excuse me, he used to play for the Washington Nationals. Wilson Ramos acquired from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays for pretty much nothing. Matt Klintek says, uh, and that's a good thing because he might not even be back until September. Mid to late August was the word from the Phillies general manager in a conference call just a few minutes ago. But not going to add a ton of punch uh, in the immediate future, and it, and it sounds like this is more than more of a lottery ticket than anything. Not much going back um, in return, just salary. Uh, the Phillies acquiring, and then you have Aaron Loop, uh, a lefty, a good lefty, no doubt, but but a lefty specialist, pure and simple, um, not a back of the bullpen arm, a guy to match up against some of these tough lefty heavy lineups. Uh, and to talk about it, we're going to have Scott Lauber in later. Uh, maybe Mike Sealski, depending on if he can get out of babysitting duties. But right now, the man of the hour, Matt Breen, who I errantly placed in Boston earlier today in, in a tweet. Uh, he is not in Boston. He is in Philadelphia. Right now, he's on the phone here. Um, Matt, what did you make? Uh, what did your big takeaway from the Phillies trade deadline? Did they succeed? Uh, pass, fail, incomplete. What? Um, I would say incomplete. It didn't fail. I don't know if they necessarily succeeded either because you don't know really what they got like you said you know if ramos is here in september 1st that's a that's a whole month away from now so you so yeah you don't even know where the phillies will be at you know in a month standings wise so it's not an immediate help if if it is a help in september and the phillies are looking good and, and you add that back for the final month of the season that's great um loop is a, is a left-handed one-out guy a loogie a specialist that's how they want to use them um Gets a lot of ground balls, can strike out guys. So, and, and like you said, they're going to face a lot of left-handed lineups in the NL East. And, and then, if you want to dream about October, there's a lot of left-handed power bats out there that they're going to have to go up against. And the Phillies have went almost the entire season without, you know, a real true left-hand specialist. So now you have that guy in your bullpen for the final two months. Again, it's not, you know, it, it does. It's, both moves are not moves that move the needle, but to me, it says all right, now let's see if these young guys can win. And that's what, what they did. They added some uh, some fine pieces to, to what they have. They didn't lose anything. There's no, like, uh, you know, worrying about what prospects the Phillies gave up and how that's going to affect the timeline going forward. But they added some pieces to see how these young guys on the roster now can handle the final two months of the season. 
Yes. There's a lot, uh, there's, there's a lot to uh, unpack here, and a lot of it depends on your context, on your framing, on what sort of benchmark uh, you're measuring these Phillies against. Because if you're measuring them against the rest of the National League and in terms of their ability to compete right now, uh, I mean, they're worse than they were, you know, two weeks ago. Because it, you're looking at – I mean, we're talking about Aaron Loop, uh, you know, and Wilson Ramos. And, and over in L.A., the, you've got Manny Machado. Uh, the Brewers add Mike Moustakas, the Cubs add Cole Hamels, and then today Brandon Kinsler, a legit back of the bullpen setup slash closer type arm. Uh, I'm probably missing some. Um, oh, the Pirates! The Pirates make the biggest move of the day. A guy who who we talked about in the last podcast, and who I was holding out hope that the Phillies might make a run at. Chris Archer though goes to the Pirates for a a, a pretty significant return, from what I understand. I haven't read too many of the details. Um, do you have do you have any any sort of feel for what that package was like, Matt? Uh, Tyler Glass now, who you know has been one of their top prospects, top pitchers for the last few seasons. So, I mean, they gave up they gave up a decent amount to get Chris Archer, and uh, I mean, I know you, Chris Archer's a guy you love. I'm, I'm a Chris Archer fan, so it's a, it's a good trade for the Pirates who have been playing a lot better lately. And you know, I, I don't think the Pirates are going to make the playoffs, but. You, you never know, and I think that's a great move. But then, speaking of other moves, um, Tony Pham went to the Braves, right? Uh, he went to the. Um, uh, no, it was not the Braves. It was the uh, the Rays. The Rays got him, didn't they? Or did oh, the he, Rays. The Rays. Or, or did right. he get flipped? Yeah, that was one of those. Co- no, you're right. You're right. It, it was the Rays. Yeah, there were some curious moves. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, again, the Archer thing, and this was more. I I I was not advocating for Archer in terms of the here and now. In fact, I mean, one could certainly argue that the, the package I'd suggested, uh, Nick Williams, maybe Michael Franco, and then a, a lower-level prospect, um, you can certainly argue that that would have made them worse off in the short term. Um, but I think the thing that the, the Pirates realized is the starting pitching market next year, there, there just really is not that much, um, you know, assuming Clayton Kershaw re-ups with the Dodgers um, and doesn't really – truly hit the open market there's just not a lot out there Patrick Corbin I think is the one guy uh I would prioritize I'm a big Patrick Corbin fan as well and and maybe that's an option um but I thought one of the more interesting parts of Matt Klintek's conference call was was his his you know I'm going to take him at his word and, and and he he did not list starting pitching as as something that they were interested in this trade deadline um you know and he he gave a couple of reasons for that he said. He said. Well, he, first of all, he said he, they had identified three different targets. They they identified mid, uh, excuse me, infield, an infield bat, um, some thump at the plate, and, and then a lefty reliever. Um, you know, and, and and he did not mention starting pitching. Then and then Jim Salisbury from CSN Philly or whatever it's called now, um, before whatever it's going to be called later, uh, asked the question: Were you interested in starting pitching? And and Matt Klintek essentially said. Uh, which I had not been aware of, but he, he said you, you, he has said in the past that you should always try to sit out the trade market at the trade deadline for starting pitching because it gets very expensive. Um, which is interesting because it's kind of, it's kind of the trade market where the Phillies lived in for three years um, back in their heyday. Um, but uh, you know, it sounds like, and then he gave it just a, a rousing endorsement of of the five guys um, in the rotation, calling them among the better starting fives in baseball this year. And 
you know, I guess apparently not putting too much stock into, into Nick Pavetta's recent struggles and to Vince Velasquez's historical, you know, um, inconsistency into kind of Zach Eflin's, you know, not really sure what to make out of him. Uh, what did you make out of that moment, Matt? Yeah, Clintock had said something, you know, almost on the same line a week, a week or two ago at the ballpark that they wanted to stay. You always want to stay out of the, um, trading, the, the starting pitching market of the trade deadline, and you're going to give up a lot. And they've said, even Andy McFarlane said, that you want to grow your pitchers and buy your bats because, you know, you're paying for a premium when, with the starting pitcher when they're older. You're, you know, you're losing a lot of lost time, but you're still mm-hmm. paying for it past performances and, and pitchers are fragile. So I think it's smart to avoid it. I don't know if there was really, I mean, Chris Archer is, was, is one guy, I, you know, but other starting pitchers on the market right now, I don't know if there was immediate help. And then you have the problem of like, you know, what do you do with um, Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez or Zach Eflin? If you do add a, you know, starting pitcher a into the mix, do you put a guy in the bullpen with two months left in the season that's never pitched in the bullpen? So it's interesting. And the one thing I have, you touched on about the rest of the national league getting better. And I think it's, it's definitely fair to say that. And I don't think, you know, what the Phillies did today still keeps them in the race for the, for the NL East, but I can't, you know, if they, they can get through that, I, I just don't see, you know, how they match up in a playoff series against, you know, any of these other powerhouses. No, I mean, I think that like, and this is, I don't mean to seem, I don't mean to sound critical of Matt Klintak's decision to kind of sit out this. Uh, I mean, it was a uh, Tyler Kepler kind of posed the question to him and and you know inferred or implied that this was a more uh, a more robust. I don't know if that's the right word. Robust, uh, a more hectic trading, a more busy trading season um, than normal and uh, active. There you go, Merriam um, Merriam Breen, Matt Webster. <laughs> Roger, Matt Roger Breen. That's what they call me. Um, you know, and I—I I don't know. I'd, you'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but it certainly seemed to me like there was a heck of a lot of there was a heck of a lot going on. I mean, you had a guy like Archer move. You had a guy like Machado move. Um, I haven't sat down and, and I mean, you had a guy like Mustakas move. Uh, it seemed like it was pretty active, you know, relative to years past. But but who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not critical at all about their their decision to sit that out. I just thought that. It, you know, if they did anything, starting pitching was the one move that could that could really, perhaps, uh, you know, turn them into that 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 accelerate that timeline and turn them into that legit contender in a you know seven game playoff series. I just we we talked about this last time. I just don't see if you're asking yourself who's starting game three of a playoff series and your options are Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez. I, I just don't think you can consider yourself a legit contender. Um, and, and frankly, it's one of the big reasons why I think the Nationals. I I still think the Nationals. You know. Uh, for all their warts and all their apparent reported, uh, you know, dysfunction, I, I think that they, I would be worried about them even more so than the Braves. I think, and I know that's, that's probably a bit of a bold statement, but uh, no, I, I I agree with that completely. I mean, there's still two months left. Six games is not a lot, especially when when you play each other so often in those final two months. So, who's the best team on paper? It's it's the Nationals, and I would right. be shocked if they don't have a run in them left in them in his final two months but uh but no so so anyway to get circuitously get back to the point that i i was trying to make um i i actually have advocated for the phillies to kind of stand pat to not overestimate where they're at um to not do anything rash 
I, I, I eventually came around on Manny Machado and, and decided that it would be worthwhile to, to you know, make a strong run out at him just because the Dodgers were involved and the Yankees were involved, and I thought if either one of those two teams got him, the Phillies would have no shot at getting him in the offseason. Um, and, of course, you know, what happened. Um, but anyway, I think that uh, barring Machado – um, or, or barring like a, a creative package for Chris Archer. I, I, you know, I just think that the smart thing to do with this team was to continue playing out the string, let these young kids play. Uh, but, but more importantly, don't sacrifice anything that is going to help you compete in future seasons, or per, perhaps most importantly, don't sacrifice anything that can help you, uh, put together a trade package in the winter when to speak to Matt Clintex's points, uh, you know the packages tend to be a little more reasonable, and and the players involved tend to be a little more. Uh, you know, I remember Curtis Granderson getting moved. Um, you know, you know, there's some offseason deals that 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 can really work out for teams, and I think that might be where the the Phillies have to end up playing. Um, as for now, though, as you said, I you know, where would you put them? Like, do you do you a do you think that they're a playoff team right now? Do you think that they 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 finish with the division um, or the wild card, Matt? I think it's a it's like a toss up right now. Just uh, I, the wild card, I think, is out just because of the West and the Central. Just especially they've gotten stronger today. They were already strong yesterday. So so you've come I, around. I think it's NL, NL East or bust. You ridiculed me for and, that the other day. Well, uh, that was the other day. Things well, things change. You know, stuff, stuff happens. That's just the way it is. You, you got to live where your feet are. And right now, Ch- Chip Kelly used to say. Chip Kelly used to say that. Matt Matt Rule said that too. Two former Philadelphia coaching greats that left us too soon. They probably read that in Chicken Soup for the Football Soul. <laughs> they probably did. But were, anyway. Except if you're reading the Chicken Soup for the Football Soul, where where I read books, your feet are nowhere where you want to be because I read them on the pooper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're right in front of me, and I'm staring at them. Yes. Thank you. That's a great, I don't th- great I don't, image to have here. I don't think that's what they were going for in Chicken for Soup for the Soul. I think this I podcast just got deleted. Oh, very, very soon. But seriously, though, like, do you think that they win the NL East? Are, are you know who? What would you, how would you handicap? Come to my head, I say no. I just, I, I don't think they do. Um, and and again, Monday night against the Red Sox, and they went toe to toe with the best team in baseball, and, and probably should have won one nothing. If you know, Dubal can make a catch. So they've looked really good. I just think. There's two months left. I just can see the Braves or the Nationals, especially the Nationals, passing them. And I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not going to, you know, die on that hill. But I just, if you asked me a week ago, I would have said Phillies are going to make the playoffs. And right now, I just think the momentum is going the other way. And I think, um, I think they fade down the stretch, and they they're hanging their hat in the off season that they, you know, were in it till in the September. They played meaningful games in September, and that's their sales pitch this off season. They try to get, you know, one of these mega free agents, Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado. And I think what they did today was it, it didn't move the needle. It didn't, there was no momentum, but they didn't give anything up. They got three guys with giving up almost nothing to get them. And they made the team marginally better, a little bit more finer. And the now it's just, the ability is on like Reese Hoskins and Odubel Herrera and Santana, the pieces they already have here to see if they can win in the final two months. And I think that's a fine plan. They're going to go down with their own guys and, you know, I can't really fault them for it. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about those guys um, because we haven't really gotten too, too thick into it. Um, Aaron loop, 30 year old lefty 
uh, formerly of the Toronto Blue Jays. What did they give up uh, for Looper? Anything of significance? Jacob, Jacob Wagespec. I have never heard. Just a Triple um, A pitcher, undrafted free agent in '15, I think, and got his way up to Triple A. So good, good story for him. But it's not, and he was Rule Five eligible this year, so it's not, um, you know, it's not a move that's going to really hurt the Phillies. So Loop has spent seven years with the organization. Um, Four point five four ERA this year. He is a true blue lefty specialist. 50 games, only 35 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, you know, these numbers don't really matter given his role, but a 4.54 ERA, um, 94 ERA plus does not sound great. But, with the, you know, where the Phillies got the Phillies got him, um, you know, for one role and one role only, He they got him to be Scott Ayer. Um, he is a guy where if you did not, if if they do happen to make the playoffs, uh, and you did not have a guy like this, you would really be kicking yourself. Um, holds lefties to a this year two seventy one. They haven't. He actually hasn't been dominant against them this year. Two seventy one. No. Three thirty three. Three fifty seven. Um. Yeah. I mean, this is. Yeah. I mean, what you can't really get excited about this, can you? No, I don't think Modell's is stock in the uh, Aaron Loop jerseys yet. I think we've already. I think we have already exhausted the amount of time that we can spend talking about Aaron Loop after after looking at. Yeah, his, uh, I mean, he is what he is. It's a it's a loogie. I mean, we'll see see what happens. I, I don't. Yeah, but he's a loogie. He's not even they like gave up. He, yeah, he's not. He's not like a shutdown loogie. But, but he was pitching the AL. I mean, you can make excuses. Maybe I don't know. I I'm just. Dick Cavor said he's a, a, a killer left-hander. What Gabe Cavor said today. So a killer left-hander. Well, I mean, let me just get. I mean, two eighty. He he's had, a real good left killer. That's what Gabe Cavor said. So I guess, I guess we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Honestly, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I never heard Aaron Loop before they <laughs> traded for him. <laughs> Who the heck is this guy? <laughs> so we'll Loop. See. I mean, it, but in in essence. They needed. <laughs> they did need a left-handed pitcher, and 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 they ideally needed a loogie, a left-handed one-out guy. So, if Aaron Loop can be it, there's a role in the Phillies bullpen for that guy, and especially like you said, you know, when you're facing these tough NLE teams, and if they do get to the playoffs, they're going to need they need that guy. So if he can be the guy, you know, that's more the better for the Phillies. Looper, Looper. <laughs> you think he carries around a big gun? <laughs> you ever see that movie, Looper? No, uh, I don't know what you're talking. I about. I think Samuel Jackson's in it. Um, yeah, it isn't. I've literally. What's right, his name? Five hundred summer guy. Yeah. Yes. Gordon. Joseph Gordon, Gordon Levitt. Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, yeah. Five hundred days of summer, by the way, uh, written by uh, podcast fan. And Phillies, Sixers, Eagles fan Michael Weber, shout out. Yeah, it's an awesome movie too. By the way, it is. It's, it's really good. Movie. I will not. I will not be ashamed to admit that I cried during it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, you and me, man. We're just a couple sensitive, sensitive, uh, sensitive wolves looking for our way in this exactly. world. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I am. I have spent the last thirty seconds desperately trying to find something interesting about Aaron Loop. Uh, he went to. He he grew up in the same state as Aaron Nola. I, I saw that, so I mean, that's interesting. Tulane he, he University, hunts, according to a Wikipedia page. Roll wave. That's always interesting. Uh, you already looked at the Wikipedia page. You don't got anything? Yeah, I read it today. Uh, that was going to be uh, the next stop. He's a bow hunter, an avid bow hunter. All right. Uh, he's married. I don't know. I mean, seems like a pretty normal dude. 
who happens to oh this is what's interesting the way he throws he has this he almost sidearm and he has this really like exaggerated leg kick uh-huh. so there's i think there's some tools like to work with if <laughs> like he can he potent, there's potential Brian, you're talking about that, a, you're talking about a 30 year old 7 year veteran lefty one out yeah. specialist and you're talking about tools but he's gonna be, that like what he's is, gonna is be, he like he's going to be in the He's going to be in the bullpen for a first place team that's trying to make the playoffs. So, I mean, if this is a 2015 Phillies, uh, who cares? But this guy has a chance to pitch in meaningful spots down the stretch. So, I mean, that's 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 something. That's the best I got for you. That, that's something. The Phillies might have a left-handed specialist in their bullpen for the first time all year, but we'll see what happens. And now, those of you who 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 um, are familiar with Wilson Ramos might be wondering why we're spending so much time talking about Aaron Loop. Um, because you know Wilson Ramos is is not only a name; um, he's actually uh, you know had a pretty good season for the Rays, uh, hitting two ninety seven with a three forty six OBP, four eighty eight slugging percentage. That's an eight thirty four OPS with fourteen home runs um, in two hundred ninety three at bats. This is a guy who uh, was a rising star who couldn't stay healthy for a while with the Nationals. Um, then he kind of just lost his way for a couple seasons. Uh, and he's kind of had, you know, he's kind of sandwiched two good years around one bad year over these last three years. Um, a clear upgrade over any production that the uh, the Phillies have gotten out of the catcher position this year. Uh, you know, obviously Jorge Alfaro has had some moments um, behind the plate. You know, he's got power, but but that's been if you were looking, you know, for a way to to upgrade this Phillies lineup, uh, catcher would obviously be one of those positions um they've combined for a 709 ops this year 244 uh batting average 317 on base percentage 393 slugging percentage just 10 home runs so wilson ramos has uh in 30 fewer games hit four more home runs than the entire phillies battery when healthy he's, he's good uh that being said he's not healthy right now and uh, it does not sound like the prognosis is entirely clear. What did you come away with out of that conference call, Matt, with regards to, uh, you know, how much they can actually yeah. expect out of Wilson Ramos? So they made, when they made the trade and obviously you knew he was on the DL, I looked it, looked it up and what was the last update. And it was just a couple of days ago, he caught a bullpen and he was going to see, was like a day or two away from starting a rehab assignment. So it just seemed like he was on the track mm-hmm. to be back. And these reports said by August 1st, this was like, you know, three or four days ago. I read the same reports. Yeah, so it was like, you know, this guy maybe not August 1st will be, but he's going to be in the first week of August. So I would take it. And then and then you you realize after talking to Matt Klintak and hearing what he had to say, that why the price was so low that, again, this is a guy they got for, you know, right now, cash considerations for a player being later. They're going to pretty much just pay for his salary for the rest of the year and give up nothing. And which can, yeah, can we pause for a minute? Can we pause for a minute and just mm-hmm. uh, say, in case in case uh, the mom of the of the player to be named later is listening, Mrs. Mrs. P T B N L. This is no <laughs> this is no offense to your son. Um, you, you could actually like hear Mac like Mac Clintech paused when uh, he was trying to. So, somebody asked him what exactly they got for Wilson Ramos after he had been you know talking about how he might not be back until September first and. and he, he was like trying. He was about to say nothing, 
but then he, you could see him in his head, like understand, like oh, there's an actual player going out in this, and you know if he reads me calling him nothing, that would be. But this player is so nothing that Matt Clentech eventually just was like, you know what, screw it, and he said, we didn't give up much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so whoever the player to be named later is, um, we love you, brother. Keep your head up, and and you never know. Matt 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 Breen sees untapped potential in you. And. He's got some tools. He's got some tools. He's got some some things to work with. Nice guy. Killer. Um, So anyway, as you were were saying, Matt Klintak, what did he he say? He says he's, best case scenario, mid-August, but possibly September 1st. Right. So... It just to me, I'm 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 banking on September first. I think that's that's when you can that's expect Ramos like. to be back. Yeah, I mean, once you put you know a caveat like that in there with an injury, especially, it seems like you know maybe the, the hamstring was a little bit worse than, than we thought. Put him on September first. This way, you can have three catchers in September. You don't have to option Nap or which would or Alfaro, but most likely Nap to the minor leagues. And again, it's a move that is. For September, it's not really for you know July 31st. So I don't I don't know where the Phillies are going to be in September. They should be you know they can't be too far out of it or you know you know if, if they're not still in first place by then. So at least it's a good addition. This guy was is one of the best offensive hit catchers in baseball this year. Um, Phillies haven't had you know, a catcher with this kind of OPS since 2012. So it's it's a really a welcome addition to a lineup that you know needs some offense. It's just a shame that you know you're gonna have to wait almost a month to to see him. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I suspect, and I I acknowledge I've I've kind of been the fatalist throughout this whole thing. Um, although I don't, I really don't think it's fatalism. I just think it's a reality. Like you gotta, you know, non-fatalism can can kind of bite you in the butt if you overestimate where you're at. I mean, let's be honest. Like, unless the Phillies got Manny, even if the Phillies got Manny Machado, I'm not sure that they're. They're a they're winning anything in the playoffs. Um, they might get yeah, there. Yeah, they traded for Bryce Harper today. I, I just don't like. It's not LeBron, it's not right. basketball where you just right. get like LeBron James and you go to the finals. And and, and anything beneath Manny Machado is just not worth doing if you're giving up anything of value because you got to you got to know you know you you just got to look at the expected reward and I just don't see the I think they're more than one or two you know Andrew McCutcheon types away. Um, but anyway, I I, I think that. When we when all is said and done, I would not be. It would not shock me if we look back on this month as kind of when the tide began to turn, um, and none of us really realized it at the time. I mean, over the last twenty, they're nine and eleven. Um, you know, six ninety four OPS. The starting pitching. Uh, I should ask you about that. What did you What did you think about Matt, uh, Matt Clentak's characterization of of the starting pitching? I, I think his quote was, you know, and I'm sure the stats bear him out, but he said. You know, this year they've they've been you know among the best starting five in baseball. Um, he he really sounded very very confident and and um, like starting pitching was not even on their radar. Uh, a, do you believe him? Because there there were there were some reports that connected them to guys like Jay Happ and, and Cole Hamels. And B, do you think that's uh, you know if you do believe him, do you think that's a uh, a healthy outlook? Yeah, I think if you you know obviously they kind of kicked the tires on you know Jay Happ and Cole Hamels. You know the starting pitchers that they get traded, Chris Archer. But I, I think they, like we said, they don't. They didn't want to. You know, you didn't want to blow. You know, too many prospects just to get a pitcher for the final two months of the season, and especially when you 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 have two you know dependable starters and then three guys that have potential, but you don't really know if they are. So I, as much as starting pitching was a need, 
you you can survive the final two months of the season with the five guys that you have. Like you, you know, you couldn't survive the rest of the season with the bench and you know a need in the bullpen. So they addressed what they had to address. That was like a luxury if they could get um, pitch, starting pitching that way. But like he was saying, I mean, they've had if you look at the numbers for the season, um, starting pitching, you know, uh, for Phillies like ERA is is near the top of the National League. Um, you know, the, all the numbers bear out that, that the unit's been as a whole really good for the first four months of the season. But like you're saying in July and especially this last stretch, the starting pitching hasn't been that good outside of Aaron Nola. It hasn't been, you don't really know what you're getting the other four nights, even with, when Jake Arreta pitches. So that is what is good. You're going to find out these final two months. If, if these other guys outside of Aaron Nola can, can keep this team in it. And if the lineup can finally hit, because if, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, Wilson Ramos is going to be playing September baseball. It doesn't really mean much. Yeah. And I, I get it. You know, I, I don't know that I entirely believe Matt Klintak. Like I, I don't think that he thinks that he has um, his playoff rotation um, the next time the Phillies are a legit World Series contender. I, I don't think he yeah, believes definitely that these, not. these will be the five players who are starting for them. But I, I, I do think that, um, and this goes back to, to stuff that you've said you know, throughout the offseason, I do think that they are big believers in Nick Pavetta. Um, do you still believe that's the case? Yeah, I do. Um Nick Gabe Pavetta actually talked, and the reason why I'm sorry, the reason why I asked you that is because over his last eleven, last ten starts, we'll call it, um, he has a six point seven zero ERA, has allowed eleven home runs in forty nine and two thirds innings, um, and has averaged less than six innings per start, um, and and opponents have an eight ninety six OPS against him, and his ERA has risen during that time frame. That that's the end of May through the end of july here from 3.26 to 4.85 even as his his kind of peripherals his fip as they say as they say the fielding independent percentage um strikeout rate is high walk rate is low and the home run rate is still um you know below his career average although it's really ballooned um here over these last 11 starts so so that's why i ask you anyway you were saying gabe kapler no, that, you touched on it with the second part about the XFIP and strikeout rate and walk rate, and, and then the one negative is the home run rate is spiked. While all those other numbers go down, he's given up, like, it's one or two mistakes a game that, you know, leads to this awful night. But but if you look, you take away the mistakes, and he struck out 12 guys in Cincinnati. So he ha- obviously has potential and, you know, maybe the most talent in that entire starting rotation but he just needs to be able to put it all together. And, you know, you can't be giving up three run, two, two homers on the hanging sliders when your fastball is as good as his fastball is. So mm-hmm. there's, he has like, there's no doubt he has potential. I mean, you'd be a fool to say a guy that struck out 12 batters in the last game and nine before with, I think two combined walks over the two starts, you know, doesn't have potential, but I think this is again. You're going to learn as he goes push to you know limits he's never pitched pitched beyond, and you know in big situations in August and September. So how does he stand up to that? I think you know we we don't know. We're going to find out. But the Phillies are definitely confident in him still. Gabe was was talking about him after the last start that he dug in the research and looked more at his XFIP and how it compares to you know these elite pitchers in baseball that everybody knows. And there's Nick Pavetta too. So there's a reason to be optimistic about him. It's just 
how long can you wait for him to figure that all out? And, and that's what the Phillies are going to have to find out coming up. Yep, and then the other guy, and and, and this all, you know, you know, I this all this all goes into factors into to why I think the Phillies made a very sensible decision to kind of roll with what they've got. It was better than the alternative, better than the inverse, put it that way. Um, uh, Vince Velasquez is pitching better than you know I have I have seen a pitch. I, I realize um, that's that was before he gave up. I, I would have said that before he gave up five walks um, in his last outing. But even with that kind of clunker in Cincinnati over his last. Eight outings, seven of them starts with that one relief appearance. He is uh, a 2.48 ERA. He has 39 strikeouts and 18 walks in 40 innings. Um, on the season, he has a 4.02 ERA. Um, strikeout rate, walk rate, good. Home run. He, he's kind of similar to Pavetta in that regard. Um, what have you made out of Velasquez, and, and would you agree that he, he – he can only the Phillies can only benefit long term from having him stay in the rotation for the rest of the season. No doubt, there's he's the same way as Nick Pavetta, where you you see the potential with a power arm and the strikeouts, then you also see the potential of a guy that gives up you know untimely homers and, and a little bit too much homers, and then can get wild with the walks. But he's a competitor. He's like you know super intense dude, um, and I think this is what you. This whole season, you know, before it became about magic numbers and division titles, it was about finding out, you know, who, what you had on the Phillies and who was going to be a part of the, you know, the next contending Phillies team. But here it just happened that there looked like that the next contending team all of a sudden became this team. So things became a little more serious and you had to balance between winning and finding out what you have. And I think now you're going to find out, especially with these two guys and Zach Eflin, what you have going forward past this season and who's a part of that team. And and if this team becomes, you know, a contending Phillies team, it's going to be because those three guys stepped up and, and you know, really gave you a really solid five-man rotation. All right, Matt Breen. Well, your tune has changed a little bit over the last week, and, and it, it's understandable, I guess, given the Phillies' recent showing. Um I think we the Cincinnati both... series, I think, kind of, you know, yeah. that once you 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 really knock them around on Thursday night and then lose in the way they lost the for the final three games out there, just it was like yeah, it just didn't, that didn't look like a playoff team. And maybe I'm wrong, you know, but I just with two months left in the season, I would hedge my bets that they don't make the playoffs, but that they stay in it. Yeah, and through, I don't th- you know most of September. And frankly. I mean, we should be clear. Like, none of this is like we. Uh, people will hammer us. That's for be- a success. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people and, people and will hammer us for being negative. If you went back to spring but- training, like the Phillies win tonight, they're in first place at the start of August. If we went back to spring training on the podcast that we did then and said, "Hey, you know, the Phillies are going to be in first place on August 1st, mm-hmm. you know, I'd probably say you're crazy. But if, if you're a Phillies fan, you would take that. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I just look at this. I, I look at this completely from the turn. What is gonna what what will what will maximize this team's chances of winning a World Series at any point, you know, within the next decade? And I think that they, in attempting to maximize their odds of winning one this year, I think they could have diminished them overall for winning one over the next ten years, if that makes sense. Um, no doubt, you know, because no you can. Doubt. You they can, gave up Sixto Sanchez to get right. Bryce Harper or Manny Machado for two months, even and then even if they do sign here. You still gave up Sixto Sanchez or, or you know, Adonis Medina. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. for a guy that you can just sign. That probably is not going to win your World Series in 2018. That you can still sign this offseason. So I, they were they were smart to to almost punt at the trade deadline and to stick with what they have, add some you know lesser pieces to round out the roster and and see what these what their own guys can do. Well, it'll set up an in, it it'll set up a fascinating offseason because they've got a lot of heavy lifting. Um, and that's where it's going to have to be done. And you know, as we you know, as we talked about a week ago, a lot of other teams are going to be interested in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. And after them, you know, it gets it gets thin fast. Um, so you know, I think I think Matt Klentzak, I'll, I'll be interested in talking to him. You know, before opening day next year, after whatever they do next off season, and and uh, ask him how this trade deadline kind of informed whatever he ends up doing in the off season because you know information is currency and and at the very least the the Phillies came out of out of the trade deadline with that um you know i, I know the yankees the yankees have have made some you know big trades um in the off season diamondbacks um it'll be interesting to see uh but you Matt Perrine, probably have a nice a, a nice dinner date with your wife lined up and uh i have a nice dinner date with Scott Lauber uh, who I must... Yeah, we'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy mine. You enjoy yours. I will. I will. Um, all right, buddy. Talk to you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Yes, I knew that. But I mean, where exactly are you? Like in the? Are you are you hanging with the rats down in the uh, like where the town where where the the boys <laughs> from the town were hanging out? Or are you like in the in the uh, the media lunchroom or what? I'm. I'm outside the media lunchroom, but you know I lived here for nine years. So if, if, you if lived, there's trouble to be found, I can find it. You lived outside the media lunchroom for nine years. That's sad. I knew. Uh, I, I knew pretty Ren's... much actually. Now that I think about it. <laughs> All right. Well, you got a game to cover uh, in about forty-five minutes. So let's uh, let's we're gonna take five to ten minutes of your time and run through um, what the Phillies accomplished today. Just got off the horn with Matt Breen. Um, what was your big takeaway? Uh, first, I'll ask you what I asked him: uh, pass, fail, incomplete, uh, and kind of what curve were you grading on? And, and then, what was your kind of uh, subjective opinion of what they did? I suppose I'd say pass um, because my curve was um, my curve changed a lot after Manny Machado got traded. After he got traded, I felt like there wasn't a move that the Phillies could make that was going to be a high impact move. So I figured they would make moves on the margins, and that's what they did. Um, it was sort of a, a, a no-risk move for for Wilson Ramos. If he gets healthy and can contribute, great. You gave up nothing. If he doesn't, you gave up nothing. I mean, really, other than paying the remaining $4 million on his salary for the rest of this year, and we know the, the Phillies don't have a whole lot of money committed, so it's really just sort of a sunk cost if he doesn't, if he doesn't come back. So I sort of like that move, you know, because maybe in September he's, you know, he's a nice six hitter in your lineup or, or even seven hitter. He, he maybe lengthens your lineup a little bit. And you know, as I said, I mean, you really gave up nothing to get him. And loop, I just look at as, you know, sort of similar. Um, you know, he's, he's not even going to be the primary lefty in their bullpen. Uh, he's probably going to be the second or third lefty, depending on how much you like Austin Davis. And, you know, if he gets some big outs in September when you're playing a lot of NL East teams that have a lot of lefties like Bryce Harper and Juan Soto and Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis, then great. It worked out. If he doesn't, you know, so be it. You didn't give up anything really to get him. So, you know, I thought they made themselves better on the margins, which is really all I thought they would do once Machado got traded. 
because that's really all I think that they could do. And at the same time, you know, like it's, I think it's important that they they made moves that do not take away playing time from their young guys because uh, they still need to get answers on some of those guys. And I think the next two months will give them a chance to get those answers. But let's let's um, Breen and I batted this around a little bit, um, and and I think it's pretty clear that if you're you know they they got marginally better today, but I, I you know in you know as opposed to where they were yesterday, but I think relative to the rest of the National League, I mean they fell. It, it, it would be hard not to consider them having fallen pretty far behind um, in terms of talent. Just I, I didn't even realize the Braves had acquired Kevin Galsman. Um I'm just seeing that. Yeah, now. you know. Yeah, you know what? I mean, yeah, I know there was a lot of stuff that came down right at four, including the two Phillies moves. And so, I, you know what? You mentioned it. I saw it, but I didn't process it until wow. now you're talking about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Brina and I just spent 20 minutes, you know, talking about this topic, and I, I, I completely missed that the Braves uh, acquired Kevin Galsman. So you've got the Dodgers having acquired Manny Machado um, and, and a, a legit back-of-the-bullpen arm and Brandon Kinsler. You've got the Brewers, um, you know, Jonathan Mickey, Scope, uh, and yeah, I saw that too for the first time. I, I was thinking Mike Mustakas, but but Brewers make two, right. two, two big moves that significantly upgrade them at, at significant positions of need. Uh, dude, how many? Wow, Dodgers acquired Brian Dozier. How many roster spots do the Dodgers have? I feel like they acquire everybody this time of year. Same with the Brewers. Like, where does so? I, so when I saw the Scope move, my first thought was, where does Travis Shaw play? You know, because that's a guy who's been a pretty good contributor to their lineup I, I mean are we saying that for sure that, that you know Moustakis and or Scope wherever they you know at second or third is an upgrade over Scott <laughs> either of those positions I'm not sure so you know they certainly got deeper and better and made it made moves that might make a bigger impact one way or the other um, there's no doubt about that by the way I'm not laughing at you I'm laughing at the fact that I have gone literally four years thinking this guy's name was Jonathan Shoup and <laughs> Thank you know that you cover the AL East because you can actually yeah. you can act like on the list of pronunciations poten, potential pronunciations for Jonathan S C H O O P um scope would, scope, would, is, not one scope is not one of them um no. I, I'm, I'm actually curious about how he renders that um he has always been in my mind and I've never actually said his name out loud but I, anytime I read his name on baseball <laughs> reference it has always been shoop for for 4 years yep. and um it I had no idea who you were talking about for a second when you were talking you about Jonathan the, Scope. You sing the little song too. Yeah. You do the little shoop song yep. too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so the Braves not only acquired Kevin Galsman, who is wow, this was a pretty big, pretty big trade deadline. Tyler, Tyler, uh, Tyler Kepner was not exaggerating. Um, Kevin Galsman. Uh, has not. That's what happens when you have like five teams that are contenders and everybody else is, is tanking. He has not quite lived up to the hype um, that that he he created for himself once upon a time when he was a when he was a a, a huge prospect that was beloved by the uh, prospect industry. Um, the last couple seasons, he has a four point five eight ERA, uh, ninety four ERA plus, but that's in the AL East and the the Phillies. So what you're, yeah, what you're, yeah, what you're counting on if you're the Braves is that he's going to go to a much easier league to pitch in, and there's no denying it's easier. And uh, I mean, the Phillies saw that firsthand for themselves, did they not? That was Galsman throwing those changeup against them uh, a while ago, yep. wasn't it? Yep. Uh, did they? Yep. Did I they, mean, I guess they ended up yep. hitting him five runs, uh, five runs, and 
five innings. But, uh, I mean, the Braves got better, and the Brewers got better, and the Dodgers got better. Um, I, I have not seen – the Cubs didn't really need to get better, uh, but they added Cole Hamels. I don't know if they did anything else. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's – it's if you're looking in terms of, of the here and now, uh, I mean it's hard hard to hard to argue that they did not fall further behind. But um, that is not necessarily a bad thing, given that they did not give up anything. Correct. Correct. And look, if they don't make the playoffs, or if August and September go haywire on them, we can. I think because we're saying it now, I think we could legitimately say we first guessed it because. You know, look, what, what, here's a hypothetical that I've got that's really fascinating. What happens if Mike Franco and Nick Williams don't take off as they have in the past month or so? You know, they're talking about those two guys and wanting to keep them in the lineup, and I completely agree. They should, because you've got to know. You've got to find out if those two guys are, you know, regular players, everyday guys for you going forward, and the only way to find out is to keep letting them play. And that's the point the Phillies are at. I know they're in first place, but they're still trying to figure out which of these guys – to borrow a phrase that Ben Sherrington used to use here in Boston all the time, who are the guys who are on the next great Phillies team? You know, he, he always used to talk about the next great Red Sox team and figuring out who was a part of that. The Phillies don't, with a few exceptions, don't really know yet. Aaron Nola is on the next great Phillies team, and so is Hoskins and probably Odubel Herrera, some others. But, you know, does Michael Franco figure into that? Does Nick Williams figure into that? And they're going to get the answers to those questions in the next two months. But, what if those guys hadn't taken off as they had? Would Matt Klintak have been more aggressive mm-hmm. about going out and getting a Mike Moustakis or a Jonathan Scope or, you know, the guys we're talking about that the other NL teams got? And is it going to bite them in the end? Because what if Franco and, and, and Williams fade? What if the answer to your question is not yes, you know, that they are part of your next great team? You probably not only are looking for p- players to fill their positions in the wintertime, but you're also not going to make the playoffs. So... You know that's the that's the I think the gamble that they that they have made here is that you know in finding out more about their young guys they're going to also find out you know they're going to go to the playoffs or not based on what those young guys do. Yeah, but I, I think the first of all I think that that's that's Ben Sherrington sounds like a wise man because that is that's kind of the way you need to be looking at this Phillies team. Um, I agree. You know who who will be the players who are there? You know. I, I put it this way to Matt Breen. You're looking to make moves that maximize your chances of winning a World Series at any time in the next 10 years. And right, right now, I, I think there's a strong argument to be made that you their odds of winning a World Series within the next 10 years, this year included, um, increased because they will keep – because of the moves they didn't make, because – because Nick Williams will continue to get at bats, because Michael Franco will continue to get at bats, because Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez will continue to get innings, and because they did not give up anything of value from their farm system. Um, you know that that could have been the inverse, where that they could have marginally improved their chances this year, um, while also you know dramatically decreasing their chances over the long haul. Because look, I, I, you know, once Manny Machado was gone, and I think even if they got Manny Machado, they, they were not. They were they're more than one player away, and I think we've seen that over these last twenty games. Um, certainly over the last five or six, they 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 have a lot of holes. And and to answer your question, if Nick Williams and and Michael Franco don't end up having the runs that they had, uh, well, first of all, if they, if they had never had those runs, I don't think the Phillies would even be in a position. Um, to think about buying, you know, I think that they're yep. ten games right. out. Um, so I think it's almost self-evidential. Um, the only counter, the only argument I think you can make 
Um, and again, I think this is it goes to starting pitching because as we talked last week, you know, if you're asking yourself who your game three starter is on August first, and your options are a guy who has a seven ERA over his last twelve starts and Vince Velasquez, you know, I think you're almost self evidentially not a contender, not a World Series contender at least, not when you have the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw and and you know that lineup and rotation, not when. Uh, I mean, frankly, let me ask you this question: Who who are you if you're the Phillies? Who are you more, most concerned about? More concerned about is it the Braves catching you or the Nationals catching you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, until a few weeks ago, I would have told you for sure the Nationals because I was in the camp of like, well, they'll get hot. Of course, they'll get hot. You know, they're too good not to. But now it's been almost 110 games and they haven't gotten hot. So, but I did have to. I did have to laugh a little bit to myself this morning when. Uh, I think it was Chelsea James of the Washington Post reported this morning that she got a text from Mike Rizzo who said, you know, Harper's going nowhere. I believe in this team. And I said, I said to myself, would he be saying those, those words if the Phillies were not losers of the last four in a row and, you know, showing how vulnerable they are. And, you know, maybe that's confidence inspiring for him, or maybe he's just like I was two weeks ago where it was like, well, they'll come around and then they run out of time and they don't come around. And if we hadn't seen this before with a Nationals team, we saw it two years ago with them. They just didn't fire, and they might not fire this year. Um, so, you know, I guess the Braves, I think, made themselves better today. And so I guess the answer to, my, to your question is the Braves. You know, I think they've got a, a five-game kind of jump here on the Nationals for the last two months of the season, and I think they made themselves better, and I think they're for real. Just as we're talking about the Phillies being, you know, for real as a as – a, Maybe not as a, you know, scary World Series winner, but as a playoff potential playoff team. Sure, I, they're for real. I think the Braves are equally for real. I I'm gonna ride or die. You know, I uh, I'm I'm sticking with the Nats. I yeah I yeah. believe me the the Jeff Passan's report that I'm sure you read. You know, definitely yep. definitely had me considering otherwise. Um, but look, it's you were around this team. By this team, I mean. I mean the uh, the Phillies in 2011, correct or no? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't. I was already here. And I was covering the I was covering the Jonathan Papelbon demise of the 2011 Red Sox that year, which uh, was epic. Okay. All right. Well, then this is not actually. I don't know if 2011 is the is what I'm where I'm trying to. Re- there was a season where the Phillies were. Um, yeah, you kept waiting and waiting and waiting. It was a season Milt Thompson got fired. Okay, uh, he got fired. Yeah, that was after me. He got fired in St. Louis um, after a series in which um, Phillies didn't just hit. They were hovering around 500. You know, there were there was similar talk about the Phillies the way there was talk about the Nationals. Um, might they end up selling? Um, you know, and, and Ruben Amaro Jr. even kind of would, would – not bat that away. I think as as motivation, there was you know worth. I think it was when he was going to be a free agent. There was speculation about whether they would end up trading worth because of all of this. And um, Cole Hamels end up, I, I think, saving their season. Um, you know by blanking the uh, the Cardinals on a hundred degree day in St. Louis. Yes, this was 2010. They were 49 and 47 um, on July okay. on July 21st. And I mean that's only three games ahead of where the Nationals are right now, correct? Right. Right. And, right. Yeah. And they went into St. Louis, and you know you kept on waiting for them to turn it on. 
you know, the all-star break came. They still hadn't turned it on, but you just kept on waiting because they were so damn good. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they lost. Let's see, what was it? They lost five out of six. And they were heading into the end of a four-game series against St. Louis. And Cole Hamels pitched one of the great games you'll see a guy pitch. Um, I mean, it was hot as anything. It was, you know, you could just see it on his face. And and he threw eight innings of one-hit ball, seven strikeouts, one walk, uh, against Adam Wainwright in a game the Phillies ended up winning um, two to nothing in the top of the 11th. It was scoreless into the top of the 11th. And from that point on, um, that, that was, for whatever reason, that was the spark that they needed. And from that point on, the Phillies were just absolutely lights out. They went from 49 and 47, and they, they were 49 and 47 at that point, and they went 49 and 19 the rest of the way. Um, wow, yeah. And and. I mean, the national that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, the Nationals not, might not have the clubhouse chemistry that the Phillies had then, but you're pot committed at this point, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, for the same reason that we talked about the Phillies and Machado and we said, go, uh, at least I did, you know, I said that's a trade they have to make and they have to make it now because the, the National League is so flat, you know. I mean, even the Dodgers and the Cubs, you know, like – you say, who's the Phillies game three starter in a short series? Who's the Cubs game three starter? You know, I mean, they're, they're, they have, they have holes. The Dodgers have holes. So sure. I mean, you know, for the same reason that I thought that the Phillies had kind of gone from, you know, nice story to, to legitimate playoff contender, because who's going to beat them? I mean, the Nationals get hot. Who's going to, you know, I mean, sure. Why not? I mean, I've seen stranger things happen. You've seen stranger things happen. So sure. They're talented enough. They're just running out of time, you yeah. know. And I mean, they gotta they gotta do it, and they gotta it's gotta start like it's gotta start like now because you know you've got two months left, and that's it. And so you know your runway is getting very short to get hot and to take off, and they just haven't really they haven't really done that yet. So um, you know it's going to be interesting down the stretch. But you know I think you're right. I think to go back to the Phillies, there, you know you mentioned their odds of winning a World Series in the next ten years, and I think what they're hoping for is that their odds continue to rise um, so that when we're looking back at this period of time in Philly's history and we say they've got either, you know, they won X amount of World Series in that time, that, that 2018 was less of a chance to win it than there was in 2019 than there was in 2020. And because of that, I feel like they took a more conservative, I don't know if that's the right word, but they took a, they, they, were, they were certainly less active today on making an impact move than some of their NL brethren were. And I think the reason is that they recognize that their best years are ahead of them. And so to make the Chris Archer trade, for instance, where, you know, um, where the pirates gave up, you know, a ton of talent in that trade, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think the Phillies were ready to do that. They weren't ready to give up their equivalent of Tyler Glasnow and, and Austin Meadows for, for Chris Archer. And, I'm not sure that they should have been. I think they probably they probably took a conservative course today, and it was probably the right course to take because they've got to get some answers on some of these young players. All right, Scott. Well, you got a game to prepare for, maybe some dinner to eat, so uh, we'll let you go. Um, maybe we'll we'll talk a little more uh, expansively about the Phillies' chances for the stretch run in a week or so, or whenever you're able to join us again. Definitely. Yeah. No. No doubt. All right, buddy. Get back safe. I will. Thanks. See you, man. Take care. And that is that. Uh, 
sorry for the kind of rushed uh, nature of this podcast, but we are two and a half hours removed from the trade deadline, two hours removed from Matt Klintak on a conference call. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get a little more in depth uh, when everyone's not running around with their hair on fire. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. And we will be hopefully back next week. Uh, can't, couldn't tell you a day, um, but hopefully uh, within the next seven days, we'll even try to get Sealski back out of uh, out of babysitting duty. For now, I'm David Murphy with the Philadelphia Daily News and the Philadelphia Inquirer. Have a great rest of the week.